This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. saying, forgive him and receive him as you would receive me. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 verse 40, he says, he who receives you receives me and he who receives me receives him who sent me. This has been the heart of God from the very beginning, the heart of God from the garden before man fell, before the sin, you know, God wanted to dwell and be one with man. But sin has separated us from God and because of Jesus Christ, now we can't be one with God. The theme of the book of Philemon is forgiveness. It's a letter that Paul is writing to a fellow brother in Christ, encouraging him to forgive the slave that ran away. Paul is asking Philemon to receive his slave back as if he were receiving Paul himself. It speaks to the message that those who receive Christ receive the one who sent him as well. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing about the importance of forgiveness in our lives. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Philemon chapter 1. As he begins his message, Philemon's obedience encouraged and Paul's farewell. Philemon, and we're going to look at verses 17 to 25, verses 17 to 25. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're able to gather in your name uh, to worship you. And Lord, now as we continue our worship, Lord, um, the Holy Spirit who inspired the Apostle Paul to put pen to Pyrus, to write this letter to Philemon, the same Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Uh, We don't want to be done out of man's wisdom, but your spirit. And so, Lord, we ask that you would be our teacher, that we ask you to open up our eyes, that we may see our ears to hear Lord, a mind to understand the word and a heart's ready to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Philemon, we're going to read verses 17 to 25. Paul writes, If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay Not to mention to you that you owe me, even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. For I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. And... As do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. Grace of our Lord, Jesus Christ, be with your spirit. And all God's people say, amen, amen. So we read the text. Let us now study the text verse by verse. Verse 17, Philemon verse 17. Paul writes, if then you count me as a partner, receive him, speaking of Onesimus, as you would me. Now, the word partner there is from the Greek form of 
konania, fellowship. And we, we studied that last time. We looked at the word konania, sharing. You know, Onesimus was one who shares. And the word sharing there meant konania, fellowship, association. Here is konoyos, and it's kind of the form, but it really means associate, a comrade, companion. So there was a bond between the Apostle Paul and Philemon. There was a unity that was also contagious to all the others. And it's something that takes place when we realize we are partners in Christ Jesus. We do things together. We are companions. We are associates in this ministry. And it's contagious. If you, I know I've seen it. It's contagious when you see people who love the Lord. They are not related in any way as far as blood related. But they're brothers and sisters in Christ and together they work together as partners there's something that Paul is talking about being a partner associate and and it's contagious because you people want to people want to be a part of that it's how is it that you guys do this voluntarily you don't get paid for this you're not related but you're able to work together as partners and that's what's appealing to the world people want that and so Jesus said, not only the love you have for one another, he says, love one another that the world may know that you're my disciples, but we do this all in love. And so Paul calls him a partner in the ministry. And so they were partners, associates, working and laboring together as the family of God with joy of Christ, in Christ, and for Christ. And so Paul considers Philemon as one who partners, one who shares with him in the ministry. Verse 17, he says again, if then you count me as a partner, Receive him, receive Onesimus as you would mean. The word receive there in the Greek, it means to receive into the family. He wants a Philemon to receive Onesimus into the family of God. Onesimus now is a fellow believer and he's part of the family of God. And this is what the scripture teaches us. The scripture teaches us to, to receive one another. And this is what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 15 verse 7. He wrote this. Therefore receive one another. Just as Christ also received us. To the glory of God. We're to receive one another. Now remember the key theme of this letter is forgiveness. And even though we don't see the word forgiveness in this letter, it's implied. It's about forgiveness. And most often we say, well, I'll forgive the person, but I will not receive them as a friend. Or I want nothing to do with them. Or that famous saying, I'll forgive them, but not forget. (laughs) Paul is saying, forgive him and receive him as you would receive me. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, he says, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. This has been the heart of God from the very beginning, the heart of God from the garden. Before man fell, before the sin, you know, God wanted to dwell and be one with man. But sin has separated us from God, and because of Jesus Christ, now we can't be one with God. As a matter of fact, that is Jesus' prayer. Jesus' prayer to the Father, you know, you know, people think that the prayer is, Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No, that's Jesus' instruction how to pray because the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. But if you read John chapter 17, and I encourage you to read it, it is Jesus' prayer, not only for his disciples, but the ministry of those who will be blessed by their ministry after them. Uh, The apostles and the churches, and you and I are in that prayer. You and I are mentioned in that prayer in John chapter 17. And in that prayer, Jesus prayed that he said, Lord, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. 
one with us. This is unity, is one. And for that to take place, there needs to be, we need to receive one another. And that's what Paul is telling Philemon. Listen, receive him. So just, just think about it. We have a master, an employer, or if you will, uh, and you, he welcomes uh, the slave employee into the family. A master welcoming the slave into his family just as, and here picture this, just as you and I, guilty sinners, have been accepted into the family of God. It's a beautiful picture. And that's why it's important for us to receive because you have been received. God has received you. He accepted you, right? He didn't say, no, you're not good enough. No, he didn't accept you because you were pretty, you were handsome, you were intelligent, smart. He didn't love you or take you in because you were so holy and righteous. There's no righteousness, no, not one. But God received us when we were dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. <laughs> right? That's what Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says. It says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You were still sinners. God loved you. He still died for us. That love that God has given to us before we accepted Christ is still with us. Now, we sometimes think God doesn't love you more because you accepted him. No, his love is beyond anything we could comprehend. He doesn't love you more than he loves the sinner. He loves the sinner the same as he loves you, the same as he loves his son, Jesus Christ. The love of God is immeasurable. It's love that doesn't decrease. It doesn't fade away. Is unconditional. He always will love us. So he never, you know, God just shows partiality to no man. He loved us all. And even while we were still sinners, he still loved us and received us when we repented and accepted him as Lord and personal Savior. Now, the receiving is kind of hard because we're talking about forgiveness here. And I know that, you know, many, some here might have been hurt by someone. And I believe every one of us have been hurt and scarred by uh, someone. Someone that wronged us, you know. I know I have. And at the same time, we have probably hurt someone else. But remember, so was Jesus. So was Jesus. No one can say, Jesus, you don't know what it's like to be hurt. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> Jesus, you don't know what it's like to be betrayed. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> you don't know what it's like to be abandoned. Yes, he does. You don't know what it's like to be poor. Yes, he does. How about hungry? Yes, he does. That's why when it comes to judgment in the end times, judgment has been given to Jesus Christ. God the Father is not going to judge, but he's going to judge through the Son. It's the Son that's going to judge. Why? Because the Son has been there, done that, and have the scars to prove it. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to be hurt and scarred. He knows what it's like for people to spit on his face and rip the beard from his face. He knows what it's like. So if you've been hurt, just understand that God knows what it's like to be hurt. But even while he was hurt, he was on the cross. And it tells us in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Amazing. He's nailed to the cross and asking the Father to forgive those who had nailed him to the cross. Neither one of them ever asked for forgiveness. You know, while nailing the nails on his hands and feet, can you forgive me, Jesus? No. They went through it. And they didn't ask for forgiveness. Jesus forgave them anyway. And that prayer that Jesus 
prayed at the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That prayer is for us today. Many times we don't know what we were doing. Before we even met Jesus, before we even knew who Jesus was, we had no idea what we were doing. But we were enemies with God. We sinned against God. But that prayer was made for you and me. All and every single one of us had nailed Jesus to the cross. Our sins nailed them to the cross. When we repent our sins and we believe in Christ, here's what happens. He forgives us. Anyone that asks for forgiveness, he has forgiven. There's not a single person, a single man that could ask God for forgiveness and he has not forgiven. And so we're to receive one another. Someone wrong you, receive them. That's what the scripture teaches us. Paul's calling on Philemon to receive Onesimus as he would Paul. In verse 18, he goes on to say, but if he has wronged you, or owes anything, put that on my account. You know, aside from stealing probably money, we don't know what he stole exactly, but he's wronged him. So if he's wronged you, put it on my account. Whatever that may be, Onesimus has wronged Philemon. The Greek word for wrong here is, is to act unjustly, wicked, to hurt, to hurt. Philemon was hurt by Onesimus, aside from what was stolen. And he also stole a large sum. It seems to be a lot. Onesimus can't pay. Otherwise, Paul would not offer to pay it for him. Can't afford to repay. Or it could be something of value. It could be money or it could be something of value. And then you include the time that he's been away that he owes his master. You know, the Bible is clear. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 8, that restitution is needed to be made in such case. You know, it's one thing, yes, we ask for forgiveness, but let's make things right. Let's make things right. Oh, yeah, forgive me. Okay, that, it's, it's only $300. Now forgive me. No, pay the $300, pay $600, and ask for forgiveness. Make restitution. Restitution is a cru- crucial part of forgiveness. Make up for it. You ask for forgiveness, make up for it. And so Paul wants to pay here. He wants to pay for Onesimus' debt so that the debt is paid in full and so that the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus would be restored. And so Paul says, so if Onesimus wronged you, Philemon, if he wronged you and what he has stolen stolen from you, put it in my account. I'm going to take care of it. Do you see the picture here? This is exactly the picture of Jesus Christ who have taken everything that we have committed, all the sins we have done, he has taken it on his account. I'll pay for it on the cross. So we have a picture here, and also we're like Onesimuses, if you will, and, and we have once sinned against God. We were thieves, we were evil, we were wicked, we were enemies with God. And Christ came to unite us together. He said, I will pay in full for all their sins to unite you me, the world, with God the Father, because sin separates us from God. That's why Jesus says, I am the way. Not many ways lead to heaven. That's pluralism, and that's been taught today in this new age time. All roads lead to heaven. No, logically, that doesn't make sense. It's impossible. You can't have two rights, three rights, four rights. It can only be one truth, one right. 
the illustration, if you will, if, if you ask me for my number, Eddie, what's your phone number? I'll just dial any seven numbers. You're going to reach to my house. Uh, okay, Eddie. How did I get to your house? What's your address? I can put it in my phone, GPS it. Any address? No, you need the exact seven numbers to reach me. You need the exact address to reach me. There is only one way to heaven, one way to God, and that is Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. He made the way where there wasn't a way. And so Christ paid it in full. Paid in full. Now, we hear it, the three words differently when Jesus was on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross in John chapter 19, verse 30, it said, Jesus says, it is finished. He didn't say, I got us this far, guys. You take it from here. Go down that mountain of Calvary, Mount Moriah, and see what you can do to complete the work of salvation. That's religion. That's works. It is finished. Archaeologists have found documents with the word testelestai. It's one word in Greek. Testelestai, meaning paid in full. And that's what Jesus has done. As Paul is doing here, he said, put it on my account. I'll take care of it. Any wrong or anything he owes you, put it on my account. And that's what Jesus did. I've taken all of your sins on the cross of Calvary. I paid for your sins. We deserve to be on the cross. You and I have sinned before God. Jesus Christ, the son, never sinned against his father. Never sinned, period. We deserve to be on the cross, but Jesus took our place because he said, tell us die, paid in full. Jesus on the cross who died for our sins, he became sin for us. He wasn't sin, not an ounce of sin. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 says, for he Speaking of the Father, God the Father, made him the Son, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became sin so that you could be righteous. There's anything righteous in us? Paul says, there's nothing good in me. Jeremiah says, the heart is wicked and evil. Who can know it, right? And so, there's nothing right, but we are righteous positionally because of who we are in Christ. But in and of ourselves, we're not righteous. We look at each other, wait a minute, who's he talking to? (laughs) Definitely not Eddie. You know, definitely like me, you know, elbow ministry, we're elbowing each other. Yeah, we're not righteous. You're not righteous. We're not righteous. Nobody's righteous. Positionally, we are because of Christ. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Peter wrote this, who, speaking of Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, speaking of the cross, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Quoting from Isaiah 53, we are healed by his stripes, the stripes that scarred his body. We are to forgive others. We are called as believers in Christ. Listen, if you have been forgiven by God, if you have repented and been born again, your life has changed, you're transformed. Now you're a new creation in Christ. You're born again. You are called to forgive. There isn't a single person that you cannot forgive. It's not biblical. We are called to forgive all people, everyone, 
anytime, anywhere. Anyone and everyone, forgive. Because Christ set the example, he forgave us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, Jesus said this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He's not talking about forgiveness unto salvation. It's after salvation. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. That's serious stuff. How many here are Christians? No, don't show me hands. It's just, you know, I don't want you to get in trouble. How many here Christians uh, are perfect? Don't sin. I'm not raising my hand. I'm just you. There's no such thing, right? First John chapter 1, if we sin, if we say we don't sin, for John's first epistle, if we say we don't sin, he's talking to Christians, we, we're a liar. <laughs> we all sin. We, we don't practice sin. We're not sinners in the sense that we don't practice sin. But as believers in Christ, we blow it all the time. I blow it all the time. Ask my wife. Now don't, because when I was in the city, I was, you know, teaching. And it was this man, you know, he, he was a man, but he had the mind of a 10-year-old. And uh, he was attending our fellowship there in East Harlem. And he would, uh, he went and asked my wife, so what is it that he, that he does? <laughs> <laughs> And Judy said, well, sit down. <laughs> Not just kidding. <laughs> You're going to be here for a long time. Not just kidding. Uh, but we all sin. We're not perfect. And so when we do, what do we, what do, we do when we do sin? We, we ask for forgiveness. We want the Father to forgive us, right? And you remember, I don't have it here, but remember when Peter tried to tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, huh? how many times should I forgive my brother? And he thought he was going to be really nice so that Jesus could say, oh, Peter, you're such a smart guy. Jesus, seven times? No, Peter. Seven times seven times seven times seven. <laughs> In other words, there is no limit. And so the point is to forgive. You see, forgiving others for the believer in Christ is not an option. It's a command. It's not an option. And it's not like, let me pray about it. Let me No, it's a command to do it. Not halfway, not three quarters away, always forgive. It's a commandment to forgive. Why? Did Jesus say, okay, you repent of your sin, you want to be born again? Okay, let me think about it. No, the moment you repented of your sin, you were born again, you're a new creation, right? God didn't say, well, you know, let me work into it. No, you're forgiven automatically. We forgive because he forgave us. Every single one of us that have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven of our sins. That's why we're born again. That's why we live free. That's why we have this peace that surpasses all understanding. That's why the world understands why you're happy. Well, because I, you know, I'm right with my maker, put it. I'm right with my God, my Savior, my Lord. I'm at peace. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie has been drawing real-world lessons from the book of Philemon. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul and sent with Onesimus, a man who was formerly a bondservant to Philemon. Paul pleads for Philemon to accept him as the brother that he is in Christ. Just like it says in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the great equalizer. And as his followers, 
we should be advocating for that same unity within our churches. Let's follow Paul's example and plead for our brothers and sisters to be treated like valued members of the community. Running the Race is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. And here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Thanks, Jessica. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? Then take advantage of this open invitation. Stop in and see us today. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. Thanks for joining us here today. We'll be back next time with more from Pastor Eddie on Running the Race.